0: all right what's going on guys it's connor duncan here bringing you another episode of the everyday scout this is episode four we are covering our 2021 nfl draft big boards just our top tens and we actually have a special guest on today's show sean nahal sean
1: hi guys yeah um i'm sean nahal and first and foremost thanks to connor and duncan for having me on really excited about it um But yeah, uh, just a little bit about me. I am going to be a sophomore at Oregon. And during my freshman year, I was lucky enough to uh, uh, land an internship for the Oregon Ducks football team. Um, I help out with the offense side of the football, specifically with the receivers. And basically just attend practices, go to meetings, and um, watch a lot of film. And it's really cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, that... Sounds like a dope gig. So, definitely an experience level beyond what Connor or I have. So, yeah. definitely will be a big addition to this episode of the Everyday Scout. So, um, let's get right into it. Top 10 2021 college prospects according to us. Um, I guess I'll just start with my number one guy, someone that Sean has seen up close and personal many times, I believe. And that is Penne Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon. And you know, I totally understand a quarterback here, Trevor Lawrence, maybe even Justin Fields. I just feel like Penne Sewell is kinda of like Chase Young last year, or going back a few years, like Quentin Nelson at guard, like I feel like he steps into the league as a rookie and like could be an all pro. Like he's that 100%. kind of guy. Like I mean mm-hmm. listed Listed at 6'6", 330, moves like a tight end. Incredible power. Um, I mean, he got Heisman votes last year, so I mean, he's just yeah. he's just can't miss to me. I feel like even Trevor Lawrence, where he's at quarterback. This is not taking into account pos- positional value, obviously, um, but he's my one. So, all
0: right, I'll just going off of that. My number one draft prospect for next season is the obvious Trevor Lawrence. Um, I mean. He's been touted as the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, which doesn't seem like it's that long ago. But now that Luck's retired, it's kind of a – Kind of Kinda long um, ago,
2: yeah. Something yeah.
0: I mean, it was the number one recruit coming out of high school, going to Clemson. He's six, rocket arm, not a scrambler, but he's mobile enough, runs in the four sevens. I mean, he can do pretty much everything. <laughs> There's a reason that he's touted to be the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. I mean, he's calm. He can hit every throw. He can read defenses. He does everything you want in the quarterback. And, I mean, barring an injury or just a disaster of a season, because I know I know Clemson can seem kind of pedestrian at times, which I don't know why as such a great po- program that, that tends to happen, because we saw it a lot last year that they were squeaking out wins. I mean, I think he starts the season as the Heisman favorite, and I this team should be in the playoff. And I think Trevor, I think if Trevor's the number
2: one pick, and it's his to lose. Yeah, you can't fault can't fault that ranking. What about you, Sean? Um,
1: yeah, I went a little bit hot for my number one as well. Um, obviously not Trevor Lawrence, but I went with um, Justin Fields. And as much as as hard as it was for me to do that, because I love Trevor Lawrence, because I'm a Colts fan, him getting. Comparison to Andrew Luck, I obviously love. Um, But, you know, I think this could be a no-brainer contingent on, you know, Lamar Jackson's continued success next year and going into his third year, and especially Kyler Murray's growth from year one to year two. And it seems to kind of just be, like, the direction the NFL is going um, with more speed at quarterback. And obviously, these guys can throw with the best of them as well. So, Mm -hmm. I have to put Fields that one. Just contingent on a lot of things, but it seems to be the way the NFL is heading.
0: Yeah, I mean yeah, he's, he's, they're definitely different yeah. quarterbacks too. And I think it's—I think the funniest thing about it is that I think these guys are kind of a flip flop based on what kind of guy you prefer. And they fought each other for the number one quarterback coming out of high school too, so they've been battling for years
2: now. Right. Yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence
1: won the head-to-head too last year, but I still had to go with Fields. Yeah, on
2: one. I mean, Fields definitely has that elite combination of arm talent and um, mobility with the legs. I don't think too many people can match that. Um, At two, I did put Trevor Lawrence at two. Um, And I think the the clearest way to sum him up as a prospect is, like, he's kind of got that Mahomes attribute of, like, as a play caller, every blade of grass is accessible with him. Like, Mm -hmm. any play – Any route combination, he can throw it anywhere on the field, rolling him out of the pocket to either side. Um, He can make any throw. You'd like to see more consistency with the ball placement at times. You saw it against LSU and Ohio State, two very talented defenses late in the year. Um, And, you know, over the course of his career, I think he definitely has benefited from guys with huge catch radiuses like Justin Ross and T. Higgins. Um, Mm -hmm. But, again, all of the tools are there. And he's a very underrated ball carrier. Like, watching him carry the ball, yeah. I am not – I am i don't think there's a big gap between him and Justin Fields in that category. As big just as straight line think. speed. Just straight line speed. And just, like, he's tough. Like, he'll put his shoulder down to get some first downs where he has to. Um, he's massive. Yeah, so I had him at two.
0: So, my number two, I had <laughs> Penne Sewell, the tackle at Oregon. Um, I mean – like Duncan said earlier, we had an offensive tackle getting Eisman votes, which should be eye-opening to everybody. I mean, PFF described his sophomore year as the single greatest season from an O-lineman in college football history. And That's not a light statement, no matter who's saying it. Um, I mean, he gave up seven pressures in 2019. He's a physical freak. And it's, like Duncan said earlier, he's the chase young of the draft where he's, he's going to be the first non-quarterback taken barring a severe injury.
1: Yeah, 100% agree. Um, I had Trevor Lawrence at two. And, you know, for those reasons, obviously him being getting those comparisons to Andrew Luck and John Elway back in the day. um, You know, I mean, his resume speaks for itself. He's already played in two of the biggest games in college football. As a true freshman, he beat Alabama um, by a lot, I should say. Um, And then his second year, he was the runner-up to what – a lot of people think was the best college football team ever, maybe in LSU, Joe Burrow. Um, So, yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence is my uh, clear cut, too. Yeah. I
2: mean, again, all the talent you could want. Um, Similar mobility to Mahomes, probably a little bit better in that category Mm -hmm. and the same arm talent. All right, moving on to three. This is where it gets, um, for me, a little interesting – but I put Micah Parsons at three. Okay. I like and that. I, like I, that. <laughs> I love Micah Parsons. I do like too. I'm, I have a man crush on Micah Parsons. It's hard not
0: to. It's
2: hard not to. His testing numbers are, he's not quite as tall as Isaiah Simmons or long, but his testing numbers are going to be similar. You but wouldn't believe di- he's a linebacker. Yeah, but the difference is he's he's a legitimate inside backer in the NFL who can take on blocks at 245 mm-hmm. pounds. He's not really a hybrid guy like Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons, you know, he can play in the box, but at a, you don't kind of want him in there uh, all game. You take mm-hmm. a pounding. But Mike, Micah Parsons is your every down linebacker in the NFL. Incredibly productive, too. Great blitzer. Um, kind of like Devin White. Coming out of LSU, except he's just bigger and longer. But mm-hmm. athleticism and ability to just play pure inside backer. Um, and he he didn't even play linebacker in high school. He was a defensive lineman, still continuing to learn the position. So his upside is off the charts, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, so I had Justin Field as my number three prospect. I mean, there's not much else to say besides he's a freak. I mean a very rough comparison would be cam he's obviously not cam sized because the only guy who's the same size as cam is big ben and he's not in shape because cam's just a physical freak but he's 6'3 he's a thick 220 225 he runs a 4-5 and like sean was saying earlier with the way the nfl is moving i can totally see fields being the number one pick over trevor just more of these not scrambling, but just on-the-move offenses, similar to, like, Kyler last year. So I, I think, barring a really severe injury to either of these quarterbacks or Sewell, that these guys are going to be the top three picks in the draft. Or, of course, unless there's, like, a team, like, the Jets picking in the top three, you don't need a quarterback. But these, these this should be the top three.
1: Yeah,
2: right. Um, I, I just want to touch on that point you made quickly, the comparison to Cam. And I think that's actually a really good comparison because it almost it makes me think like a team that takes Justin Fields is probably a team like almost what the Chargers are probably going to try to do with Justin Herbert, probably mm-hmm. a more run-heavy team, play yeah. action, get them moving, and take deep shots down the field. Yeah. Because when you said Cam, I like that analogy a lot because I don't think Justin Fields is a precision passer yet at least, but mm-hmm. like he's got the arm to take those shots down the field, get out on the move and we always say it's a copycat league I think not that this offense is new to the NFL but the Shanahan system what Kyle Shanahan's doing in San Francisco with that run heavy offense getting Jimmy G on the move if kind of that oh super efficient game manager with talent maybe teams look at that charges with Herbert someone who takes fields so
1: mm-hmm. yeah um at my number three, um, I don't want to have any Oregon bias putting him higher, so I have Penny Sewell. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I think last year, um, as good as Herbert was, I think a lot of Oregon's success can be credited to the O-line. I mean, Travis Dye and CJ Burdell had really great rushing years. And I think with the new addition of the offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, I think the offense could be like really comparable to that 2016, 2017 Penn State team with Saquon Barkley. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about uh, next year. Hopefully, there's a season, and I think Sewell is the real deal. Obviously, as you guys right. have said. Yeah, I mean, I
2: just have a question for you. Just like seeing him at practice, like I assume it just pops, but like, I mean, is when it's <laughs> scared? I ha-
1: yeah, I mean, I had to get we had like we had to cancel practices because as we were starting spring ball, the whole coronavirus thing kind of like was like at the very beginning, so we all had to go home. But from what little I did see and just seeing him around the building, I mean, you can just tell like he's he's an Allen fall guy. He's yeah. I mean, he's just he sticks out like a sore thumb to be honest. Right. In a good way. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, um moving on to
2: 4. Um, again, a tough call here, but I'm going to go Jamar Chase. Again, I'm, I really try to look at it separate of positional value. And he's a guy that I think a lot of draft expert guys on Twitter have talked about this. Like, It's almost a lock that – I mean, he's considered wide receiver one by pretty much everyone right now, I would say, as a concern. Yeah, I would agree. He's almost a lock for his stock to drop just because his production's yeah. a guarantee to drop without Burrow. And yeah. he's probably not going to run, like, an eye-popping time at the combine. Not that he does Yeah, it would be like four fives. Him. Right. But, like, I don't know. You just watch him play. He, he can do it all. He's the jack of all trades. Great at the catch point, even though he's only six foot. He kind of plays bigger than his size in that regard. Kind of built like a running back and runs like it after the catch. Very explosive. Consistent hands and just, like, a big play threat wherever he gets the ball short, intermediate, or deep. Absolutely destroyed a first round corner in AJ Terrell in the last college football game we saw lit him up for like two hundred yards, multiple scores yeah. in the biggest game of the year. So I will go Jamar Chase at four. What say you?
0: Yeah, so I also have Jamar Chase at four. Um pretty much for all the same reasons. I mean he had nine catches for two twenty one and two against Clemson. And that was going off of his Boletnikoff winning season. Which I mean he had eighty four for 1,780 and 20 tugs, and obviously that's being paired with what I think is the greatest college quarterback season of all time by Burrow last year, 60 touchdowns, but, I mean, like you said, he doesn't really have, like, an archetype, like, he's not a burner, he's not a jump ball guy, but he can do everything,
2: Right? because, yeah. like,
0: he's big enough, fast enough, and I know some to some people, like, it means he's like not great at one thing, but he's great at everything, and I think that's the thing that sticks out with Chase. Obviously, the production's gonna dip off because I mean you lost Joe Burrow, but I I mean he's guaranteed to go in the first round no matter what, unless he terrible injury. But right. I I think he's everybody's he should be everybody's number one receiver.
1: Um. Well, he's not mine. I have him a little later down this list. <laughs> but, there we go. Um, um, at number four, I went with um, I went with Gregory Russo from uh, Miami. I mean, last year having 15 and a half sacks, um, just like his frame is what stuck out to me the most. I mean, he's kind of like this new age defensive end with his frame. He's tall. Um, he's fast. And I think, you know, assuming his season doesn't dip in production from last year, I think he... Um, this four-and-five spot for me is a little iffy, but I think he's going to be four. I like, I like his game a lot.
2: Yeah, I mean, his frame is just insane. Um, yeah. And he, he rushes – if you watch a lot of production, a lot of his production also comes from the inside, rushing from the inside. So, mm-hmm. almost like a Tron I mean, he's not quite as, as thick as those guys yet, but like a Tron Armstead who can rush inside or out, someone who's versatile like that, especially on like a third-down situation. Um, so, yeah, definitely a versatile guy. Um, At five, I have a bit of a a reach here, but I was going through watching him play last year, and I just, I feel confident he's going to be a top 10 pick, very confident, and that is Sean Wade from Ohio State, the corner, and they had two really good outside corners last year, obviously Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett, both first round picks, and he was forced to play a lot in the slot, which is a little out of position for him, he's 6'1", about 195, so he has really good size and length. And he is really physical, come up and hit, sure tackler, and he's really long, and he makes a lot of plays on the ball. So I just think that when he gets to play in that role as Ohio State's number one corner, which has just been an absolute factory for first-round top 10 picks, I really think he will pop this year and be a surefire top 10 player when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, so going into my number five spot, I had your boy Duncan, Mike Parsons. There we go. Um, I mean, as a Chargers fan myself, I mean, Durbin James is a Swiss Army knife. And obviously, Micah is more of a linebacker linebacker, like you were talking earlier about Isaiah Simmons is a little hybrid position. But it's just the raw athleticism. And that's what everybody's going to fall in love with, with this guy. And obviously, when you're fishing for just pure athleticism over – production you could just swing and a miss like Deion jordan for example but i think he's a real deal i mean he's just a physical freak like you said earlier he could be oh like to devin white or devin bush they both were top 10 picks um i mean he's, he's he should he's gonna be the number one middle linebacker going in and i think with the way the league's moving you need guys to cover i mean you got Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz—all these big-name tight ends. Every team needs that big, fast linebacker to cover these tight ends going across the middle, and that's why I got Michael Parsons coming in at five. Um, at my uh,
1: at my five spot, um, it's fitting that I'm wearing this hat. Um, but I went with Devonta Smith from Alabama um, over Jamar Chase and Justin Ross. Um, the reason I like Devonta Smith so so much is because. You know, the NFL, like, kind of like my pick for uh, Justin Fields, like the way the NFL is moving towards and like what kind of games they're looking at, Um, and the Chiefs especially kind of setting the foundation, um, you know, with with Tyree Kill and McCole Hardman type receivers. And even last year's draft, um, you know, with Jerry, which I thought was an amazing receiving class, like probably one of the Mm -hmm. best I've seen in my lifetime. historic. I think, you know, Henry Ruggs getting picked before Jerry, Judy, and CeeDee Lamb was a statement. And then after that, um, Jalen Rieger getting picked before Justin Jefferson and T. Higgins was also a statement in itself as to, like, Mm -hmm. what teams are looking for and what they want on the perimeter. And I think it's speed. So, I mean, no one has more speed than Devonta Smith right now, I don't think. Maybe Jalen Waddle in college football. But, I mean, I really like Devonta Smith, so I put him at five.
2: Yeah, he's probably
1: faster than Ruggs,
2: too. Yeah, also really great at the catch point. Um, Really good ball Mm -hmm. skills and length. Mm -hmm. I went with another Alabama receiver at six, however, a guy you just mentioned in Jalen Waddle. I like that. I don't know. When I watch him play, I really do see Tyreek Hill. I see Tyreek Hill just – Stupid. More than you do with,
1: more than you do with Devonte
2: More than I do with Devontae Smith. And I'll tell you why. I think Waddle, even though he's a little smaller, is a little more of a physical player. And Tyreek, even though he's only 5'9", 5'10", he packs a punch. He's like two hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. handles contact really well. There's a play early this year where where Mahomes just kind of threw it up, and he out jumped two defenders for a jump ball, even at his size. And you watch Waddle. He had a play like that against Auburn. He had that punt return against LSU where he just gets absolutely – his face mask almost gets torn off, and he's able to run through it and score. But just that combination of speed and, like, a compact body type, again, as you said, I just think it's where the league is going. And without Jerry Judy there this year, I think his numbers are going to go way up. Uh, Obviously, without Judy and Ruggs, to say, I think his numbers will go up. So, yeah, just kind of pick your poison with the Alabama receiving core there. Can't go wrong. Yeah. Can't believe Tyreek got mossed by the high school receiver. But
0: I know. That was good. That's another uh, topic. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, coming in at number six, I have Gregory Rousseau, the D end edge defender out of Miami. And obviously, when you're building an NFL team, you want a quarterback, someone to protect the quarterback, someone to get after the quarterback. A uh, defensive end has been taken in the top 10 for the last five years. And I think going into the college football season, that hopefully happens in the fall. I think that Greg Rousseau is going to be that top-ranked D-end going into the draft. Um, He kind of came out of nowhere as a redshirt freshman. Uh, He put on a lot of weight, which obviously a lot of guys do coming into their programs. But, like, he used to play receiver and safety, and now we're talking about him as the best D-end going into the draft, which I think is absurd uh, because he had 40 pounds in college. But, I mean, going off that former receiver safety – He's, he's just a physical freak. He's probably the fastest D-end in the country. He's relentless. Obviously, the U might not be back, but I think Greg Rousseau is a star for Miami, and I think he's going to probably be the first edge defender picked
1: in the draft. For my number six, um, I try to make this, like, almost as realistic as possible in the sense that, like, I like wanted to have like linemen like higher up in the list just because that's positional value. Yeah. That's how like yeah drafts tend to go. So I had Walker Little, um, despite his injury last year. I mean, the tape speaks for itself. Um, would have been a first round pick. Um, and I think the way Stanford's kind of like trending upwards right now. Um, I think the lines their lines like probably like the strongest part of their team from what I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think Walker Little at six. I had him at five uh previously but i had to bump up devonta smith just because i like him so much so that was that's my six yeah
2: yeah i mean i yeah i definitely love walker little i just think as you said with his injury um that's i'm just not quite sure i'll bounce back from that hopefully it's very well um but i just yeah i couldn't put him in mind just because of that but certainly like an injury honorable mention for me um at seven i have trey lance I have Trey Lance, a quarterback from North Dakota State, um, and it was close. I think him and Fields for me are very even, definitely a tier below Lawrence in my mind, and I just went Lance, even though it's the level of competition will always be a question, and he'll always be knocked for that, which is fair. I just think he has a little bit more of a pure stroke uh, release and arm than Fields does at this point. Um, He's, he has good long speed when he's carrying the ball. He can rip off some runs, um, obviously, at the FCS level. But he has a really good natural arm, can attack any area of the field. He, and he protects the ball, too, again, at the FCS level, but didn't throw a single pick last year. I know Fields was very good in that category as well. Um, but I went Trey Lance at seven.
0: Yeah, I thought I was getting a little hot, but I also had Trey Lance at seven. Um, I mean – There's so much to say about this kid. I mean, 28 touchdowns to zero picks. And, again, FCS level of play. But within the program, we've seen Carson Wentz become a young star in the NFL. And this guy also, alongside with not throwing a single pick last year in 15 games, he was a 1,000-yard rusher on the ground. So he's just a pure workhorse. And he's got all the physical tools you want. I mean – he works a spread offense up there in North Dakota. He can read the defense. Obviously, you know, guys will have their own little opinion based on the FCS level of play that he's been going up against. But I I think he has it. I see it when I watch Trey Lance play. I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. And I do think the gap between him and Fields is pretty close, like you said, Duncan.
1: Um. Yeah, 28 touchdowns and no picks. Impressive anywhere. So that's definitely true. Um, For mm. my number seven, um, I had, a, I had Micah Parsons. It's a little little deeper than you guys had him. But for a lot of the same reasons you said, I had his pro comp. I mean, right when I saw him, I thought of Isaiah Simmons. Um, I mean, last year, 109 tackles, 14 tackles for a loss, four forced fumbles. I mean, he's just always around the ball, it seems like. So, yeah, he's my... He's my seven.
2: Exactly, yeah. Very capable blitzer as well, um, which is pretty mm-hmm. big in the league nowadays. Um, so, at eight, I had Justin Fields. Um, no. I just don't think he has as pure <laughs> right now, um, personally. Ton of upside. I just something, something when I watch him play. I I don't know. That The offense at Ohio State feels pretty manufactured. Not that everyone's isn't. Not that everyone doesn't have a lot of help. Um, uh-huh. But I don't know. Just a lot of first reads from him I see. But I see a lot of – I think he'll pop this year as well. I think overtaking Trevor Lawrence is within reach for him for sure. I know I have him a little low here at eight. But that's that's just what I see. Yeah, coming here at number eight is my first
0: corner on the big board. I actually have Patrick Sertain the second here, coming out of Alabama, and obviously Alabama corners have this very large stigma of failing at the NFL level. Uh, obviously, coming in with the pedigree as Patrick Sertain, the first, his father was a Pro Bowl corner back in his day. But he's a six foot two, two hundred pound corner, shut down last season in Alabama. Runs in the low four fives. He's got a 35-inch vert. I mean, I think he's got all the physical tools, and he had the production last season to show that he's going to be a first-round corner.
1: Yeah, I also had Patrick Sertain the second at, um, at eight. Um, he – I mean, he's a big body. He's standing at 6'2", and like you said about Alabama corners, doesn't need to be said again. I mean, they're just so consistent um, with their production. Uh, he's actually bigger than Jalen Ramsey. And that stood out to me the most because Jalen Ramsey sticks out like a sore thumb as well on the football mm-hmm. field and can run with just about anybody. So I like Patrick Sertain at eight. Yeah, uh, just continuing corner,
2: well. with that, I have Patrick Sertain at nine. Again, <laughs> for <laughs> all the reasons you guys said, um, his deep speed isn't great. As you mentioned, is probably like a four or five. But with his length and physicality, I think – that won't matter too much once he gets to the next level. Nick Saban is notorious for being a phenomenal defensive back coach. So you know he will be sound technically when he enters the league. And, you know, there's just also something to be said from having a ton of SEC playing experience early on in your career. I mean, he started their entire season as a true freshman and a true sophomore. So getting all that playing time early really says something to me. Similar to Derek Stingley Jr. at LSU, obviously I don't think Patrick Sertain is nearly the corner Derek Stingley is, but just if you're able to come into the SEC at Alabama or LSU and start day one as a true freshman, um, you're an elite athlete, no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, so number nine here, I actually have Jalen Waddell. Um, I mean, the numbers aren't going to jump off the board, but the film is – yeah, You exactly. have to take this guy into oh. account when he's lined up out wide. It's similar to Tyreek Hill, as we said earlier. Um, and then one thing that's not talked about enough, which I don't know if he's going to do in the NFL because he's probably going to be a first-round at receiver, but he was pro- one of the best returners in the country last year. He had the best punt return average since 2009. Uh, I don't know if he's going to do that in the NFL, obviously. I know some younger receivers when they were younger. Like I know Dez returned kicks a little bit, but he's probably not going to do that. But I just think the speed, the athleticism, it's all there, and somebody's going to fall in love with this guy.
2: I'm telling you, when I watch him play, he looks faster than rugs to me in game. I'm not sure what his time will be, but the way he pulls away from guys, I mean, going back to the Georgia SEC championship game, where Hertz brought him back he had this one play where he like caught he like caught a dig like over the middle of field it was like an intermediate route and it was kind of behind him for so he stopped and then you got Richard LeCount and J.R. Reed, two all-American safeties there from Georgia and he just it was like a motorboat against a canoe right up the sideline 50 Mm -hmm. yards um just can score anytime he touches the ball
1: yeah, I like J I like Jalen Waddle at nine too. Um you guys almost made me want to change it. But um I'll stick with him. Uh, I got I got Justin Ross out of Clemson up at, at nine. Um I mean he's six four, two oh five. Um that frame is absolutely ridiculous. He'd be bigger than a lot of the NFL receivers. I think I think Julio's six two and he's already just looks massive. So I think six four, two oh five is just absurd. And I don't think he's going to have a different production. He might even be better this year with Trevor Lawrence going into his third year starting. So yeah, Justin Ross at nine. I like that.
2: Yeah. Phenomenal ball skills, similar to T Higgins. Um, mm-hmm. I just think he has a little more pop than T Higgins, honestly. I definitely agree that I like him more as a player uh, going into the draft. Um, mm-hmm. then With my final spot at 10, a guy you guys have already mentioned. I have Gregory Rousseau, the defensive lineman. From Miami, I say defensive lineman, uh, not edge, just because, again, I saw a lot of him rushing from the inside, which I think is really important going into the draft, having that uh, tool in your uh, toolbox. But, yeah, just incredibly long, very raw. You watch him. He doesn't really have a wide variety of moves. He just kind of overwhelms people with his length and movement skills, which, again, that's great. Um, But if you can get him in the league, coach him up, you're looking at – Definitely an all-pro player ceiling. Um, maybe a little bit lower of a floor, but he definitely has enough potential in my mind to have a top 10 spot.
0: Yeah, so my number 10 here, and then I have an honorable mention, are both just guilty pleasure picks. Because um, obviously we're going <laughs> to see guys like Walker Little and tackles rise up the board, but I don't have a tackle in here. I actually have Rondale Moore at 10. Okay. And I'm just in love with this guy. Obviously. A hamstring last year ended a season short after only four games, and he's only five nine. But the guy is just so dynamic, and I don't remember the last time we saw a big guy coming out of Purdue, a big NFL draft player. But I don't know what else to say about this kid. I mean, his freshman season he had 114 catches for 1,300 yards and 12 tugs. He was first team All Big Ten as a true freshman and Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Obviously, we need to see how that hamstring's doing. And we never know how good the Purdue offense is going to be, but I think this kid's going to pull it off. And then my honorable mention slash name to look out for is Journey Brown, the running back out of Penn State. That doesn't mean he's my number 11 guy, but he's just another guy. I love going into this draft. And Penn State's running backs as of late, I mean, Saquon and Miles Sanders, both studs. Uh, Journey, 5'11", Two fifteen-ish. Apparently, ran in the four twos, which is faster than Barkley. The high four twos, four two nine. Going back to high school, he had a seven hundred yard, ten touchdown game, which goes to show that that's translated to the college level. He's just a big play machine. And those are my two. Those are my two draft crushers coming into next year.
2: Yeah, I I like that. He really came on Journey Brown. That is came on strong at the end of the as so He started getting more carries in that offense. Definitely, so definitely a good. Yeah, choice. For sure
1: um finishing off my list at number 10 um this guy you guys had him quite high up in your list but i have jamar chase um i mean obviously the 20 touchdowns um is an insane feat at any level of football i think but you know like you guys said also um i think he's likely to have a dip in production um without joe burrow but i also think it's just not going to be the same lsu team i mean 14 guys got drafted this year um so, yeah, I, don't, I just don't think that this team's going to be the same. And along with Joe Burrow not being there, I just think that this is going to be a different team and we might see a different Jamar Chase next yeah. year. No,
2: that's certainly fair. Yeah. He did. Definitely um, you know, a possibility. All right. Well, that is all the time we have with our special guest, Sean Nahal. Thank you so much, Yeah, Sean. Thank, thank you guys for having um, me. It was a blast. Yeah. Um, hopefully you get to – there's a college football season you get to do all that cool stuff with Oregon. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you. Yeah, appreciate
2: talk. you guys. Thank you. All right. That was a great conversation um, with Connor's friend, Sean. Added a lot of insight. Super cool gig he has with Oregon. Uh, getting to work with that team up close and personal and even get to do a lot of football related stuff, like watching film, which I was not lucky enough to do at Syracuse. So I was kind of <laughs> in my bag when he heard he got to do that. But that's all right. Um, so as we do every episode, we're going to do some gambling talk at the end here, do some win totals, and we're on the AFC North in Episode 4, our last AFC division. Um, so, we'll get into it. The Ravens at 11.5 wins. Mm-hmm. This is just like the Chiefs, right? You have to take the yeah. over. You have to. I
0: think you have to take the over, especially with Ravens have the easiest strength of schedule, not only – in the division, but in every team in the NFL, uh, I don't think it's how a does very that hot happen? take. How does that? happen? I don't know. Well, didn't New England have the easiest last year, or was it the hardest? I don't remember. It was one. Of, it was no, all the New England. New respect. England has
2: the hardest this year, I believe.
0: Yeah. Um. I don't know. How, I don't know how they do that, but
2: it's weird. I yeah. mean,
0: I think the Ravens probably had the best offseason of any team in the NFL. I definitely think they had the best draft. Yeah. They put the tag on Matthew Judon, which I think was huge. Um, I mean they didn't really
2: <sighs> See, here's the I mean thing.
0: Hayden yeah. Hurst, like that's not a big loss at all. No, not at all. A not third string tight end. ends.
2: Yeah. They got Calais Campbell. Like this defense is just gonna be disgusting. Patrick Queen, yeah, as you said with the draft. Yeah. And so I compared it to the Chiefs and you gotta take the over. But after I said that I kinda realized like of these two teams that are gonna be at eleven and a half, I mean, we haven't talked about San Francisco yet. I don't even know what their number is, but it probably will be similar. I think if you look at the AFC, the Chiefs and Ravens, if one of them was gonna slip below eleven and a half, it probably would be the Ravens in my mind.
0: Yes. And I one because, thing I forgot yeah. about completely slipped my mind is that Marshall Yonder retired. Okay. Which yeah. will so show on the that offense. matters,
2: that matters. And but it's more the factor that like I don't think I still think Lamar will be great, but there always is that factor like we don't know how much teams will figure out that system, Yeah. figure out what they do. Another year of film. Yeah, I'm not predicting a regression. Maybe he's better, but there always is that factor. So, a little yeah. bit of caution there. But, yeah. Um, and I think
0: Dobbins is going to be a stud, by the way. Maybe oh, not this oh. year, but, I mean. He might
2: he might average seven. Him and Ingram. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. The, the, seven, the so.
0: Yonder loss will definitely show up, though, I think, at least early on in the season. Yeah. But.
2: They always Five draft blocks. such good players. Just well, like the best college they, players. Patrick J.K. Dobbins. <laughs> I know. It's smart. Devin they, Duvernay. Take, Devin Duvernay they, in the what? Fifth round? Fourth round?
0: They take like beasts from Power 5 colleges that are all yeah. top programs. Yeah, They they lost one of the best GMs in football. And the next guy studied under him for years and years is just doing <laughs> hell of a job.
2: Right. I have
0: I have over eleven and a half here.
2: Yeah, same. All right. Um the Pittsburgh Steelers are at nine and a half. Yeah, this is a hotline. So I'm gonna take the over, actually.
0: Okay.
2: I'm gonna take the over. And I had the under, but we discussed this a little bit before we recorded this, and you actually convinced me to take the over. So this division, the AFC North, has a pretty light schedule in general because who do they draw? They draw the NFC East and – AFC South. The AFC South. Okay. So that's a, pretty, that's a pretty easy draw. Yeah. And so there is the uncertainty with Big Ben coming back after – Throwing having, elbow. Throwing elbow surgery and not being a hard worker in the offseason. That is true. Yeah, he's in a,
0: he's in a walking boot every And month. he's
2: old but at the same time you know yeah i was thinking back to last year and what were they they were 8 and 8 or were they 9 and 7 one of those uh, they were good yeah. they were good with duck hodges mason rudolph that defensive front 7 is legit minga fitzpatrick is a playmaker in the back end so there's a little bit of risk here but if you're wondering what the actual line is you're plus money if you take the over at plus 110 as opposed to under's minus 140 so I'll actually take the over here. I think they're one of those organizations that just knows how to win. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, as you said. So I'll take the over.
0: Yeah, this is the line that scares me the most in the division. Um, yeah, this is, this I mean, is, half is a hot number, yeah. and it's 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 all Big Ben's elbow. I mean, we've seen what they can do. Obviously, Juju had a down year last year, but I mean, he had the worst quarterback room at football throwing to him for the majority of the season with Duck and Mason Rudolph. No disrespect to Duck, though.
2: Um, yeah, we would not do, I mean, this, do that on the everyday scout. We would never do that. Uh,
0: I mean, I can just see the defense getting it done. I mean, it's it's all based on the health of the offense between Ben and James Conner. Um, I think Deontay Johnson is the real deal. I just I just have a hard time betting on this because while Mike has never had a losing season, nine and a half is so hot because I think they either go nine and seven or ten and six. Yeah, But I think I'm going to
2: have to take the under here and write him down for 9-7. and seven. Right. I mean, hypothetically, if Big Ben is his old self, maybe he's, like, rejuvenated coming then back. I don't know. should go 10-6. Then they could win. They could take the division from Baltimore. I don't think that's out of the question here. I, I don't mean, think it's out of it. I mean, it would definitely be a big upset, but this is the NFL. Yes. yes. Like, would it Anything shock you if, both, if well, Big Ben – Is his old self? It's the Steelers. Their defense is nasty. Juju's still there. James Conner's running the ball. They're good on the lines. The Ravens and Steelers both win eleven games, and like the Steelers get the tiebreaker. Like that wouldn't shock.
0: Yeah, I mean the extra wild card is huge because we were discussing before the show. I mean, with Duck and Mason, this team would have made the playoffs last year with that extra wild card spot with Duck Hodges as the starting quarterback, which was quite the experience. Right, but I. I think it's 9-7 and seven or 10-6, and six,
2: which is obviously splitting the line here, but I would take the under. Fair. All right, another tough number is the Browns at 8 eight hmm And, you know, I just – I think I have to take the under, even though I really like what they did in the offseason, drafting Jedrick Wills, signing Jack Conklin. I think they're really – I think Kevin Stefanski coming in is really going to commit to the running game with Nick Chubb and make things a lot easier for Baker Mayfield. Remember, they still have Odo Beckham, Jarvis Landry. They just locked up Miles Garrett long-term. They got some playmakers on defense, so I do think they'll be a lot better. I could definitely see them being a wild-card team, a playoff team. But with the Steelers and Ravens in that division, I just trust those two franchises way more than I trust the Browns, obviously. And believing both the Steelers and Ravens will get to nine or more, I can't put the Browns at nine or more. I think they could be one of the best seven or eight win teams in the league, but I'll take the under. Mm-hmm.
0: Also, a little off topic, but going back to Pittsburgh, I think the loss of Javon Hargrave
2: going to show up on that defense. That's fair. At least That's fair. Yeah. They still have elite edge rush, there. Yeah, really. definitely. And Cameron um, yeah, is I definitely still a beast in the inside.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, eight and a half for the Browns here is kind of hard. Uh, we're all still feeling a little burnt after what was hyped up to be the Super Bowl contender with a young, young quarterback and superstars like Odell, Miles Garrett. Um, it's just such a hard line. But like you, like you were saying, I mean, I'm going to take the under here, but I think it's a really close line. Like the Steelers, like I have, I have the Browns under eight and a half because I haven't won eight games. Right. Yeah. So I, I agree. It, it's, it's just. If Baker's good, which I, I do think Baker's good, but if he makes the most out of what he has around him, which is what everybody hopes he can actually do. But, I mean, I think coaching was a big issue last season, so hopefully you got the right guy now. But if they blow up, I can see him going 10-6. Yeah. But I think talent alone is enough to get them to eight wins, even yeah. if it doesn't fully click.
2: I mean, I just think philosophically this year they're going to take – they're going to – they're not – Baker Mayfield will not be the deciding factor in them winning games to the extent that he was last year. Nick Chubb is legitimate, I think. You can make a very good argument he's a top five running back in the league. And, again, with their additions on the offensive line, I think they're going to pound yeah. the ball. A lot of play action, getting Baker on the move a little bit. Um, They'll just make things easier for him. Odell will get down the field off play action. Yeah, that's the thing. Baker so, got
0: killed last year. Yeah. And I think Conklin and Wills helps a lot. Should yeah. sure that up immediately. So exactly. It, it, that's why I think it comes down to Baker just producing because he has the protection at this point. He should, um, I mean, Austin Hooper. I don't know how much that's going to help, but it's just another guy the defense right. has to figure out yeah. how they can cover everybody while not doubling Odell.
2: You're going to have some match. should
0: be huge. You're going to have some I think – I mean, I don't think it's talked about enough how they lost Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey at linebacker. It's really thin there. That's a good point. But they signed Carl Joseph. They got Grant Delpit to help their secondary, which I actually think is a pretty talented secondary. But I just think the linebacker core is a little lacking. Um Baker should be so great, man. It's just so hard. Yeah. Um, hopefully we we'll see it quick, but yeah. I'll, I'll take the under.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> definitely agree there. And the last team in this division, pretty certain they will come in last in this division, the Cincinnati mm-hmm. Bengals. They're there at five and a half. And, you know, I was going through their schedule, and I actually had them with more Ws until December than I thought I would. But mm-hmm. their final four games, they get the Cowboys in Cincinnati. Then they get the Steelers in Cincinnati. Then they go to Houston and Deshaun Watson. And then they get the Ravens at home. And
0: Deshaun's going to be playing to play on that right. Saturday sure. 1 o'clock wild card game. Yeah. That's four year.
2: losses to end the year right there. Maybe one yeah. win if Lock Dallas, in. Dallas is, but they probably won't without Jason Garrett. But yeah. there's no way this team gets to six. I think Burrow is pretty good in year one. But, again, with the offseason rookie QBs at a very sizable disadvantage, um, there's there's just no way they get to six.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think this is the worst team in the NFL, which is good considering they just had the first overall pick in the draft. Um, Right before that four-game gauntlet at the end of the season, they have Washington, the Giants, and Miami, which should be all winnable games. And then, I mean, I think they'd be Jacksonville. But I I definitely cannot – I can't even see five wins, so I can't see over five and a half. Um, I mean, they still got Geno Atkins and Dunlap. They signed DJ Reader. The D-line's great, honestly. Um, the Secondary, they got – I mean, they overpaid Trey Waynes, who I never think panned out. Mackenzie Alexander's okay. Yeah, there's really um, a lot of meat over there. I don't think they're going to replace Darquez Denard fully, which he didn't even do that much. It was all pretty much William Jackson. But
2: I right. just – Yeah, I mean, there's I no know, way man. they go to six. There's just that'd be, – that would be a shocker. I would nah, and then,
0: like, is A.J. Green going to play? Like, I don't
2: – Yeah. Probably, I maybe. Mean, he's, I mean, he's healthy. They like, have T. Higgins, too, so they have a ton of size on the outside. Higgins, Boyd, A.J. Green, Ross, and Auden Tate. I mean, Auden Tate might get cut, actually. now you know I'm
0: looking at this, but...
2: the bro, should have weapons, and I think... No, they're going to make some plays on the outside. I know.
0: Jonah Williams coming back for this team is huge, by the way.
2: Yes. Um, the not getting to play in his rookie year.
0: Outkick. Yep. Yeah, former Davis high schooler, Jonah Williams. But, I mean... I don't know, man. I just... Especially like we were we were talking to before the show. I mean, just the off season program being so up in the air. It's a rookie quarterback, man. Yeah. This entire team's around Burrow. And I, I do think Burrow's a stud. But yeah. I mean, obviously he's he's not a rookie rookie since he's twenty three. Like he has the playing experience, obviously not in the NFL, but he's got years of at least college football experience to prepare him, especially that monster season at L S U last year, but I just think it's going to take a couple years to put together. I have, I have under
2: here for yeah. Bengals. Agree on that one as well. Um, so that was the AFC North. <clears throat> and now we will move on to a mailbag question. Once again, yeah. provided from our loyal listeners, we are very appreciative of your submissions. So keep submitting them to us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Connor, do you want to go over this question first?
0: Yeah, so this question comes in from Noah, faithful fan of the pod. Uh, Noah asked, hey, guys, so what does Joe Douglas need to do to turn the New York Jets into an attractive landing spot?
2: For free agency, I would assume.
0: Yes, for free agency. Um, I think there's a short answer here, and that's to hand Adam Gase's last paycheck give him a bus ticket say thank you and never see him again yeah Um, i think that would yeah i mean that would help it's it's starting to get really ugly it was already bad with the talk of immediately after signing Le'Veon bell that they were gonna trade him within three months of signing him um
2: yeah you gotta be honest like that doesn't that's just mind-boggling
0: and i know jets fans are still pissed about letting robbie anderson walk and just Sam Darnold just being hung out to dry out there with no weapons. I mean, you can't let Robbie Anderson walk and then sign Frank Gore. Who, God, love Frank Gore. I mean, NFL great Frank Gore, top five rushing yards of all time. But, like, what? Why? What's the. It's just. It's a waste of money at this point.
2: I just. None of the make sense. I agree with that, <laughs> but I do trust Joe Douglas. I really do. I think he knows I what do. he's doing. I liked what they did in the draft. Didn't love it, liked it, but that's saying something for the Jets. But here's the thing: I think it's it's Gase yeah.
0: that you I, like. Gase is gonna spell Le'Veon with Frank Gore. Like, think about that.
2: Yeah, and I, I love mean... Frank
0: Gore. I mean, Frank Gore might be playing with his when his son gets into the league in a couple years. But I mean, I just God, man. I mean, there's no other. There's nothing else holding them back from being an attractive destination. I mean, Quinn needs to take a next step, obviously. Um, And the whole arrest thing should be cleared up. Um, Makai Beckton, it's – I mean, it's either a home run or a strikeout. You never know. Right. Um, So, we'll see there. Uh, I think pretty positively about Makai. So, I think that'll work out. And I think as long as Sam can throw over him. Um, I mean, I wasn't extremely high on Denzel Mims. But this team's number one receiver is Quincy at Noonwa, question mark? Yeah. It's I think it should be Le'Veon. Le'Veon's the best receiver on this team right now.
2: Oh, yeah, without question. Um, <laughs> well, like, just going <laughs> back good, but... to the, the specific question, it's funny, like the wording, like, an attractive landing spot. Take a look. I mean, and this is basically what we've been saying, but take a look at Jamal Adams' situation. I don't care whether he leaves yeah. or not, but the teams that he listed – he wanted to go to. I believe their
0: attractiveness. They were
2: all just, like, the teams with the best Super Bowl odds, more or less. They're just good pedigree Right. Teams. They're coached well. They ran well. They exactly. A good roster. So that's not I easy to do. I think just the again. first step to that is just surround Sam Darnold. And you, and you touched on letting Robbie Anderson walk and whatnot. But, I mean, I do like – their first two draft picks, we, I think we all thought they had to go tackle receiver – Maybe order, receiver yeah, tackle, definitely. and like we were like, they had to like you have to get those two young pieces for Sam Darnold, and they did, and they got good players at both spots for good value. Also, so Bryce I think Hall that's was a pointing steal. in the right direction. If he's healthy. For who? Who was
0: Bryce Hall? If Bryce Hall is healthy,
2: yes, I agree.
0: From and Virginia I do think Ashton point Davis point. is a stud. He's a track star.
2: Yes. If you can like get Bryce Hall
0: do. and Ashton Davis in there with Jamal and Marcus May, that that's a foundation for you. Yeah. But if the best player on your team wants to leave because of your head coach, that's the number one red flag of not being an attractive destination.
2: Yeah. I mean, so I think and we can I mean, agree that this comes down to Adam Gase. He's a coordinator, not a head coach. Classic example of that, in my opinion. It's just,
0: it's just hard to watch, man.
2: Yeah. Like,
0: Adam Gase is the whole, so... Yeah. It's just, it's just frustrating. It's the whole no football emotion. fan disease of, oh, I could do it better than him. Yeah. But, I mean, you're looking at it.
2: I mean, you see him on the sidelines. we probably He's could.
0: so, he's probably so could. aloof.
2: He's aloof. Ever since
0: that press conference with his fucking eyes, dude. You were yeah, saying, no, it went just, downhill fast. just really what we did. <laughs> and it's gotten worse since then. It hasn't gotten better.
2: Yet. Yeah. No, that was a very I mean, questionable start to his tenure as head coach. obviously... Adam
0: Gase, this stigma of being an amazing offensive coordinator. I mean, we got to think that was the Broncos team with Peyton Manning,
2: who had the, the best Marriott quarterback Thomas, season of Eric all Gassier time Gassier, in NFL yeah. history. Yeah.
0: So you can't give him all that credit. Obviously, you got to give him some of it, but fuck, man. I mean,
2: he's just gotta go. I mean, he's I'm surprised go. he's still there. Yeah.
0: I thought he was gonna be. I thought he was gonna be out.
2: Yeah, I can't blame you. Um, I
0: I think he's the worst head coach in the NFL. I'll plant my flag right there right now. Uh,
2: I mean, Matt Patricia exists, but I, I mean, yeah. Okay. You might have me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> both those teams. I mean, it's just, That's fair. No, I think they're both, when you're a bad NFL coach, a new hire, I think a lot of the time it's because you had success as a coordinator. And I think it just goes to show head coach. A lot of it is personality, personality and ability to interact and manage people more than just X's and O's. Guys that can do X's and O's and just focus on that are great coordinators, can be great coordinators, but you've gotta be able to control an organization and lead grown men who are millions. Yeah. And if you can't do that, if you can't garner that respect in the locker room, like Adam Gase we can assume has not to this point with the Jets, at least yeah. not with Jamal Adams, who I would definitely categorize as a grown man, then yeah, it's it's not for you and you can be a great offensive coordinator but leading a franchise you might not find success and like the number one stereotype of a head
0: of a football coach is an asshole right and that's not even the problem here yeah. they just hate the guy yeah he's just fucking weird he doesn't get along with anybody and why he he might be an asshole just cuz of the disrespect of talking about how he just wants to get rid of all his best players all the time. I mean, he let Robbie walk. Who knows how long Le'Veon will be there. I mean, I do think if there's a season Jamal Adams is wearing the Jets uniform. I agree. It would have happened uh, by now, right? It just – it should have. And, I mean, obviously with the whole COVID thing, maybe if COVID wasn't going on and the conversations and the meetings could have happened, we could be seeing Jamal in Dallas this upcoming season, which it's going to happen sooner or later, man. I mean. Yeah. Dak Turner down 100 mil. Should have the money to re sign him. Right. Might be spending it on Jamal. We'll see. I don't Maybe know. Should. But
2: Anyways,
0: the team has a glaring problem, and I think it's pretty easy to fix it, and they just don't see it.
2: Yeah, it's Adam Case. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for you guys, our faithful listeners here on episode four of The Everyday Scout. Thank you for listening to our discussion about the 2021 NFL Draft Big Board should be a good class with a lot of elite uh-huh. talent at the top. Great a class. really A-plus prospects there. Especially a lot of Trevor different schools than, than, than usual, school. too. Yeah. No, there's some good variety. A lot of good positional variety, too. Got some linebackers, quarterbacks, tackles, receivers, um, defenders in general. So anyways, give us a follow on Twitter at everyday underscore scout and keep looking for our episodes which will be coming out throughout the off season and we will announce our topics on twitter so thank you guys
0: thank you